everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I am your host, Jessica Dwyer. I am flying solo for this episode for the moment, but I will be joined by a very special guest later on. That it would be Miss Erica Irvin. You may know her as Amazon Eve from the wonderful season of American Horror Story Freak Show. She was the strong woman, and she is amazing, she is beautiful, and she is joining us later in this episode. But before we get to that, boy, do we have a lot of We Can Geek to go over. There are some crazy stories happening right now, not the least of which is poor Tom Hiddleston's audience member and the entire masturbating during a stage play that is going around the internet. I, I'm not okay with that. Um, a lot of people are thinking it's funny, including Chris Pratt, who was laughing about it on Twitter and tagging Tom Hiddleston on that post. Um, if you've seen Tom Hiddleston and know of Tom Hiddleston, you know he's fairly a, much a gentleman, um, really a gentleman. And uh, I'm horrified by this whole thing, actually. Um, it's hilarious to a lot of people. And at first I thought it was funny and then I really thought about it and it's just gross and not okay um, at all. And the other bit of it is the double standard that's going around in Hollywood right now um, in the world. Uh, a lot of people are like, hee hee hee, it's so funny. Uh, she did this, hee 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 hee, and was laughing or whatever. And um, But if this had been a guy, he would have been arrested. There's no two ways about that. Um, you know, look in history. Look at history in, in terms of these kind of things that have happened. I, I'm, I'm not okay with it. Uh, it's making the rounds on social media. It's sure to start a debate. It should start a debate. But, you know, in a way, I kind of don't want it to. I kind of think it's just disgusting and gross. And um, if I had paid money to see that play, which it's very expensive and selling out most nights, uh, I would have been very pissed off if that had been going on because, you know, it was distracting and it was distracting for most of the people that um, you're reading about that were firsthand experience of it. So that's as much as I'm going to share on that. I've given you my opinion. Uh, that is, be that as it may. Um, yeah, it's not okay to do that in public at all, really. Um, and in this case, it's not really funny. It's just not okay. And I, Tom Hiddleston, I'm so sorry. This kind of thing is what happens, and you end up getting actors and actresses and um, people that, you know, it's cool to meet and talk to and and be one-on-one with um, and tell them how much they mean to you as an actor, tell them what they've done, you know, their work has meant to you. This kind of thing is where that stops. People stop doing that. He does cons. He does conventions. Um, I'm amazed that he does them because, you know, I'm just, you know, amazed. Um, but that will end. This kind of thing ends that. Um, the This, what I had mentioned to on Facebook about this was, it reminded me of an event where I, the first time I met James Marsters, who is a fantastic guy. Amazing actor, sweetheart, um, loves his fans, absolutely loves them. And uh, what happened at that event, I was in line to get a photograph with him. And the lady that was in front of me sat down next to him. And at the time, he was still playing Spike. So his hair was, you know, all Spike bleach. And he was just being really gracious, setting with the fans. He, he didn't even have to show up really because he was hurt. He had actually hurt his leg Um and was in a cast and she came over sat next to him and literally grabbed his inner thigh before the photo was taken and I saw him jerk and go you know taken aback by it and um he didn't say anything and she wandered off like that was totally fine that she had just basically groped him so this wasn't groping him but this was on that same level 
So while you think it's funny and you think it's ha ha ha, she got got off while watching Tom Hiddleston do a play. Think about how you would feel if that was a girl on stage, because apparently, you know, we're in this equality movement and it's a good thing we're doing that. But equality is just that. And if it was a, say, I don't know, Gal Gadot on stage having a play um, and a guy was in the audience jerking off, how would you feel? Would you feel the same way? Think about that. Think about that uh, if, if Wonder Woman was on stage in a play that she was very excited to be a part of and some guy was jerking it. How would you feel? It's the same thing. So there's my little tirade on that. Um, let's go to some better news. Well, sort of better um, in the Weekend Geek. So right now, um, everything is streaming service. It's streaming service everywhere. Everybody's got to have one. CBS has their own all access, you know, with uh, Discovery. We're going to have Disney Plus, which is the one that everybody's trying to take down. That's going to be the juggernaut. Um, and uh, it's they've already announced some of the stuff that's going to be available day one, and it's insane. Like the classic X-Men cartoons that they now have, the the that the fantastic X-Men cartoon from the um, late 80s, early 90s uh, is coming to Disney+. Plus. Um, I think I want to say Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends is coming, um, but they are going to have some fantastic stuff. There's going to be, um, like, I think Mr. Boogity is going to be on there, which I'm stupidly excited for. Uh, so, you know, everybody's gunning for Disney. Well, now NBC is strutting into the fray with Peacock. Honest to God, they called it Peacock. That's the name of their streaming service. Um, and right now, they're announcing stuff that they're going to have. And I think a lot of people are surprised and sort of disappointed by what is going to be offered, if the the, the rumors are true and what we're hearing. Um, first of all, everybody's talking about the Save by the Bell reboot. Uh, from what I gather, it's not so much a reboot as it is uh, a continuation, kind of like they've done with um, 90210, for example, uh, over on the other networks, um, So, like what Fox is doing. But they're also talking about uh, doing a Punky Brewster return. I don't know. I think Soleil Moonfray is supposed to be... Um, involved with this but it's it's still kind of up in the air i don't i don't know of anybody that's that has been asking for a punky bruiser reboot or continuation but there you go um i'm sort of amazed by the fact that they're doing the business but the one that i'm really amazed about is the one that everyone is talking about and that is um battlestar galactica And um, Battlestar Galactica literally hasn't been gone that long. That was a reboot of a series. A lot of people may not remember Lauren Green walking around with the the, the cape and Dirk Benedict being Starbuck. Yeah, Starbuck was a guy originally. Um, But everybody loved Battlestar Galactica, the new version. It took me a while to warm up to it. Not going to lie, because I liked the original. But the reboot is considered one of the most epic, amazing science fiction stories of the last couple of decades because of how it tackled the issue of what is human, who is a person. Um, It just created this really insane mythos um, behind the the Cylons, and it just really worked. And it was um, had some amazing characters. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't like it at first, but then I warmed up to it, got into it, and I loved it. So now they're wanting to reboot that. And I'm not really sure how how you would reboot that after how big a deal it was. So, yeah, there's that. Um they're still talking about it. The, the response, though, online is not okay. People don't want it. 
people really don't want it. They 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 really love the first the oral not the first, but they really love the remake that they've already got. And there's no if you're going to remake something, you really have to have a reason for it, and you have to be able to improve upon it. Now that Battlestar Galactica, I'm gonna they they improved upon it. They created something deeper. And they got more seasons than the original did, too. And we won't even talk about Galactica 1980. Um, that is something we don't speak of. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't understand why. So, yeah. Um, and it looks like they're, you know, the 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 Saved by the Bell and the Punky Brewster supposedly are going to be. um grown-up versions or down-the-line versions with the original cast. Zach Morris, I'm just going to call him Zach Morris, um, he wasn't even asked to be in it, which is odd. That's what the big thing is right now. He wasn't even brought, it wasn't even brought to him. Um, But Elizabeth Berkley and Mario Lopez are supposed to be in it. There's also, as I said, Soleil Moonfry. They're talking about her being a grown-up version of Punky Brewster because yeah, I guess there's a need. I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't think Peacock is going to be as successful as they think it's going to be. But, you know, what's going to end up happening is they're probably going to be the only place that you can watch Friends. They're stupid if they don't make it that. But I think, I can't remember if uh, Disney Plus somehow has that. But whoever gets the friends rights is the one that's going to win, I guess, in that regard. Um, it'll just be the friends streaming service. There you go. That's that's my guess. But we're going to talk we, if we're going to talk about remakes, the one that um, is really making the rounds right now is the the rumor and the horrifying prospect of Princess Bride. Uh, that really sent shockwaves around all of my friends and social media. And yeah, no one wants this. You can't improve on perfection. And The Princess Bride is a perfect film. And so says Carrie Always, who played Wesley in the best tweet ever. Carrie Always said, there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a pity to damage this one smack and then on top of that i love jamie lee curtis for a variety of reasons but this was the best jamie lee curtis's response oh really well i married the six-fingered man obviously why we have stayed together for 35 years and there is only one the princess bride and it's william goldman and rob reiner's life is pain highness anyone who says differently is selling something that is the best smack tweet i mean that's like awesome i mean that those two together just kick their ass kick the ass of whoever thought that would be a good idea it is a bad idea no one wants this don't do it so um yeah i i am just i it made me ill it made me ill to think that they would want to remake the princess bride you don't remake perfection that movie is a perfect film you just don't do it. It, it. You just don't. That's not okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm i just in awe that this is just keeps happening. I just, I can't, I can't get over it that this keeps happening, that they keep wanting to remake movies that shouldn't be touched. It's just like the whole thing with uh, the Disney remakes of their own films. It makes no sense at all. The cartoons were perfect. Yeah, it's kind of, it's neat to see live action versions of these characters doing their thing. But when it comes to a movie like The Princess Bride, you can't recreate that. You can't. You're you're never going to be able to. It's just you know, it's a lightning in a bottle thing type of thing. You can't recreate that. And whoever had that idea, I hope they run and hide after the outcry of everyone online Um, because that was just 
not a good idea. That movie is the favorite film of so many people, and it's one of the most quotable movies of all time. Don't touch it. Just walk away quietly that way. Go over here. Don't touch it. <clears throat> but speaking of adaptations, let's go to a, something else. <laughs> Um, Netflix just released the official trailer for In the Tall Grass. Um, Stephen King and his son, uh, Joe Hill, continue their conquest of all media with this. Um, it looks super creepy. It's based off their novella that they did together. And um, it's it's actually directed by the, the guy who did Cube and Splice, which th- those films are super beautiful horror um, I love beautiful horror. It's one of my favorite things. Um, Alexander Aja does it really well. And this, um, Vin- his name's Vincenzo Natale. Um, he does it really well too. And Splice is one of those really disturbing movies. Um, but this has actually Patrick Wilson, Rachel Wilson, um, Harrison Gilbertson, uh, Leslie de Oliveria. I hope I said your name right. Um, but it, the, but here's the synopsis of this film and you can watch the trailer online. It looks super creepy. Um, and, uh, based on the novella by Stephen King and Joan Hill, when siblings, Becky and Cal hear the cries of a young boy lost within a field of tall grass, they venture in to rescue him only to become ensnared themselves by a sinister force that quickly disorients and separates them cut off from the world and unable to escape the field's tightening grip. They soon discover that the only thing worse than getting lost is being found sound good it's going to be on netflix on october 4th patrick wilson has actually said that this is probably one of the best things he's ever done it looks super great uh creepy time travelish um into the world creepy plants i'm there looks great um i still find it amusing that i mean like basically joe hill and stephen king are taking over everything everything is stephen king again It's getting just more and more Stephen King. And uh, kind of on top of that, um, just to plug the review uh, on fangirlmag.com, you can read my review of the first episode of Creep Show, which the first story, of course, as as well it should be, is a Stephen King story called Gray Matter. And it is gross and gnarly. And um, as always, there's, there's a metaphor to it. That's one of the things I love about anthologies. Um, when you can say, like with Twilight Zone, um, when you have a, a morality tale hidden within that horror um, is the best there is. So, yay, I loved it. Um, so, In the Tall Grass looks great. October 4th, it's coming. Um, really quickly, too, before we get to our special guest, <clears throat> I have a couple of other stories really fast. First, Ghostbusters is turning 35 this year. And I'm really, really effing old. Oh my God. 35 years ago, we got Ghostbusters. Um, so it is returning to theaters uh, next month, as it should, during Halloween time. Um, it's going to be uh, part of a Fathom event, which those are always great. Um, so it's going to include some uh, special things, which is, of course, what Fathom does to make you want to go see it when you own like 15 copies of it. Um, there will be um, a new introduction uh, filmed and newly unearthed and rarely seen alternate takes from the movie. So they're really going to try and get you to come in um, and uh, to see it. I love Ghostbusters. I don't know who wouldn't love Ghostbusters. Uh, the dates are October 6th, which is a Sunday, and then Thursday, October 10th. They will be showing them um, for two days only this October. I may try to do this. I've not gone to one of these because I, I mean, everybody owns this movie, but I haven't ever really seen, I've never seen the original in a theater. I saw Ghostbusters 2 in the theater. Yay. (laughs) No, no slide against Ghostbusters 2. Ghostbusters 2 is great. But the first one is, is, yeah, the best. Um, So it'd be fun to see that in a theater with a bunch of other fans. Um, 
and uh, seeing it look really good because they've made it really pretty. And uh, the Fathom events are great. I, I really like them. Um, and they, they do really well when it comes to packaging them. So I'm excited about that. So one last bit of news that made the rounds earlier this week. And I am so, so excited. <sighs> so the Suicide Squad as opposed to Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, is um, has announced its cast. And if this didn't make your geek nether region tingle to be couth about it, I'm not sure what is wrong with you. You probably are dead. So, of course, we have Margot Robbie, uh, Viola Davis, Jai Courtney, Joel Kinnaman. They're all coming back. They're still trying to make Jai Courtney a thing, and so, yeah, he's coming back. Who knows for how long? Because how uh, James Gunn announced this was, don't get too attached, which means probably a bunch of these people are going to die. Um, so, yeah, there's that. But um, so who is in this? Who's all showing up? Well, we've got Taika Watiti, of course, crossing over from the land of Marvel. Nathan Fillion, Sean Gunn, Pete Davidson, who I have no idea who he'd be playing in this, um, Idris Elba, Michael Rooker. Um, let's just go down the list. David Dasmalkian, John Cena, Jai Courtney, Joaquin Cosio, Nathan Fillion. Again, I will keep repeating that. Joel Kinnaman, Myling Ng, Flula Borg, Sean Gunn. Juan Diego Bata, Storm Reed, Pete Davidson, Taika Watiti, Alice Braga, Steve Aggie, Tanashi Kajisi, I'm probably butchering these names, uh, Daniela Melchior, Peter Capaldi, sorry, um, you have to say it like that, Julio Ruiz, Jennifer Holland, Viola Davis, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, and Michael Rooker. So I don't know if this was in any particular order, um, how these were listed out on the tweet, um, on this, the, the list, uh, as you will, because um, it wasn't really in alphabetical order. But um, what really made me giggle and freak out was I tweeted back to, to – uh, James Gunn and said in my head canon Peter Capaldi plays the original Joker who was the father of Jared Leto's Joker who by the way is not listed here Jared Leto is not according to this list is not in this movie um, uh, and he's not happy with how Gotham is and comes back and um, he liked the tweet Oh, my God, if only. Um, but we know this is probably the movie he shaved his head for. So the Joker is known for having his green locks. Um, so my money is still going to be on um, Mr. Freeze. Um, so because he looks like the Mr. Freeze cartoon with his head shaved. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see if that is what happens here. Um, I still would love for him to be the Joker. That would just make me pee my pants. I would, I would pee myself. Um, so yeah. So James Gunn is is bringing it for Suicide Squad, and he is just hitting every geek thing that he can with the cast. It's just so fantastic. I'm so excited. I have no idea what um, what the plot's going to be. By God, there's a lot of people. Steve Aggie is voicing King Shark. Um, there's the Polka Dot Man, Rat Catcher, possibly the Peacemaker, uh, possibly Deadshot. I think I think Idris Elba was, who knows? I don't know if he's actually going to be playing Deadshot or not. Um, but yeah, it's going to be insane. We know Captain Boomerang. We know Rick Flagg. We know Harley Quinn. But um I'm so excited. I just, I'm here for this. I'm so here for it. So that being said, let's bring on our special guest. I'm going to bring her on here in just a moment. I'm so excited to have Erica Irvin with us. Um, 
if you've watched American Horror Story, if you have watched um, just all the things that she's done, she's an icon for many reasons. Um, the tallest supermodel on record, like she won the uh, she won the Guinness Book of World Records spot as the tallest supermodel ever, and uh, just an amazing person, amazing story, amazing actress, beautiful, just fantastic person. And I was really, um, really honored to be the one to moderate the panel at our Horrorhound Weekend convention um, a couple weeks ago, where we had our American Horror Story panel with her and uh, a couple of the other stars from the the Freak Show series. So I'm really stoked to bring her on. Uh, So let me go get her. All right, everybody, I want to uh, welcome the wonderful and beautiful and talented Miss Erica Irvin to the show of Fangirl Radio. Um, as I said, Erica has been an icon in American Horror Story. She's won the, uh, the Guinness Book of World Records for tallest supermodel. She is statuesque. She is amazing. And she was Amazon Eve. And she has uh, embraced that term and that name and made it her own. And I want to welcome you, Erica, to Fangirl Radio. Well, Jessica, thank you for having me on. Oh, you are quite welcome. So I we I know we, we, we met and bonded over a panel at Horhound Weekend a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And um, we were just speaking before I introduced you that it was very timely that uh, this episode is coming tonight because American Horror Story is re- in the 80s, uh, 1984, I believe, um, tonight. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait to see it. I'm I'm almost like, oh, is it going to live up to any of the past uh, seasons? Because they've all been so good. But I have to say Freak Show, I think, is probably the most beloved of any of them. I think that one really just... Yeah. And um, so kind of bridge, bumping off of that, jumping off of that point, we had talked in the panel about experience you brought to the character of Amazon Eve in American Horror Story. Can you speak to that and the way you used your own history to bring that character to life and how they allowed you to do that? Wow. That's a compound question. (laughs) Um, Amazon Eve started before Freak Show. Okay, Freak Freak Shows have been around for, God, almost 150 years now. And they somewhat died off quite a bit in the 50s after television really took off. Television entertainment really killed the sideshow because people were not going out in the evenings to watch circuses. They were staying at home and watching Ed Sullivan. So when I showed up on the scene, when I, as Amazon E, finally showed up on the scene, I was, uh, I, I felt different and odd, okay? Because there's a, there's a physical transition going on, right? From the male side to the female side. There's a whole set of expectations that come, that come with it. And part of Freak Show was about self-acceptance. And I still struggle on some basic level with self-acceptance because of your odd size and people, you know, stare at you. And it, 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 it's, you know, for some people it's easy come, easy go. It's not easy come for me. It's not easy go for me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, it does. And there was a, there's a very important scene between uh, Sarah Paulson's character, Bat and Dot, and Kathy Bates' character. And she said, this is as good as it gets for people like us. And I thought about that. And I tried to place that in perspective about where I was and what I wanted out of my transition. I wanted a lot more out of my transition than I got. So it it, it made me have some realistic expectations there. I didn't transition young, and transitioning young for someone my age is a premium. And it really means a life. It really means a life. It's it's a life versus a happy life. 
Mm-hmm. How's that? How does that? Wow. A Th- that's a heavy answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a struggle. And Freak Show is about struggle. In fact, horror is about struggle in many ways. So for me, it was just another part of that journey to accept and embrace the extraordinary body narrative that I am and that my colleagues and, and people that work on the Freak Show are in their present existence. And we presented that to you as human life on television in a given imaginary circumstances, which creates the story called American Horror Story Freak Show. And I'm just one of those components. I'm just a spoke in a wheel. Nice. Well, and I uh, kind of jumping off of that, because my next question for you, you kind of touched on it there. Was the horror genre is a place that welcomes the different and the ones considered uh-huh. outcasts? There's a and, and yes, there's a great does. there's a great love within the LGBTQ community for properties like American Horror Story and like the podcast Welcome to Night Vale. Can you talk about your experience within the horror genre and the fandom there, and and how it's a, you know touched you and and what you've seen there because. I know a lot of my friends, my gay friends and my my trans friends and my my non-binary friends, they they feel an acceptance within this community and they love it because it kind of embraces the differences. It does. We have a lot of flavors. <laughs> I call the alphabet people as as uh, Dave Chappelle likes to put it. Um <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, the radical politics I could do without, I don't really like to go down that road of intersectional flatulence and oppression planning. <laughs> I um, like that I, I'm not, a great I, phrase. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not very good at it, and I don't really think I could advocate for that because I think it's too radical by mm-hmm. problematizing the privileged within the progressive stack. I think that just ends up being um, counterproductive. Mm-hmm. We need to have conversations of possibility. We have to realize it's not about power, it's about competence within a social system. And we confuse those two. Mm-hmm. Working on set is all about competence. And I'm competently a giant, big ass kicking, you know, <laughs> Amazon. And I have to learn to accept that. I'm not a manic pixie dream girl. I'm not gonna play the female lead in in most movies you're not going to see that happen because i'm so big i'm there's a type that i'm gonna i'm gonna play mm-hmm. you know and and they I mean, unless i write it and put it on stage myself it's probably never going to happen right but i get to be a hero i get to be a monster i get to be a space alien and you just take take what you're given because you got to put butts in seats this whole business is about putting butts in seats i noticed something and I wish Jody could come on the panel with us. She was there at the at the con. Right. But she has a natural cuteness mm-hmm. in the dictionary in terms of her size. She's the smallest woman in the world. She's built like a doll. And she tracks eyes and everybody just lines up, Oh my god, I got a minute, go? you know, that kind of thing. It's like, okay. And people are more popular than others based on, in a lot of ways, for lack of a better word, word attractiveness or different. Mm-hmm. If that makes a sense. People, yeah. people are, okay, there's two types of sex that, that men are attracted to. We'll put it like that. Okay, we'll try to use sex. There's the normal sex and the strange sex. <laughs> I fall, I fall in the very strange sex category. I'm for that guy that just, oh, I just want to be dominant, have my ass kicked. Okay. <laughs> there is that in male psychology. There's sort of like a reverse in the game going on. <laughs> I hope that answers your question. Hey, hey, there's hey, a place for everyone. That's what I'm trying to say. But don't get caught up in an outcome. So you asked me a very loaded question because I'm not just talking to me. I'm talking to my brothers and sisters who are born outside of, of a a normal parameter. And we have to accept, we have to accept that maybe we're less than beautiful or maybe we're less than, you know, 
formed properly, but we have something to offer this world. Exactly. Let us show you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. I just, you it, know, it, yeah, and I was going to say, for myself, I've, I'm your fat white girl. That's what I am. I, I've always been that way. I've, I've dealt with bullying and constant BS about how I looked, my weight, and all of that my whole life. And I've discovered within my fandom, the people that I hang out with and the people that have welcomed me, it, they're just, the horror community is one of the most welcoming communities there is. I mean, that's yeah, what I'm is. seeing. And I, I really, I really love it. But I, I what you're saying is very important. And um, yeah. I, I really respect your point of view on that because it's, it's, it's a, it's an informed point of view. And I like that. I like. Uh, your I, I, I've, I've been a freak all my life. Being tall is, is a tally thing. And there, there's, there's, you know, I, I joined the tall club. I was being vetted to be the tall queen. But then, you know, there's that, there's that intersectional question. Yes, I'm tall, a tall to be, and I'm beautiful, I guess, good looking enough to be their queen, but the trans is a little too much for them. So I, I didn't get to be the tall club queen. So I outdid them and became the world's tallest model. So, you know, you, 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 you experience, remember when I said about easy come, easy go? Mm-hmm. For people mm-hmm. who are different, it's not easy come. Right. That means it's not easy go in life. Right. Okay? And for those who are given the advantages in life, and everybody has advantages and disadvantages infinitely fractionated out to the individual. I don't like the word privilege. I think it's overused and it's group guilt assignment. And it usurps the presumption of innocence. Just because someone has an advantage you don't does not make them guilty of a collective crime. That's really, I want to emphasize that. I find that to be um, a, a Marxist presupposition that needs to be expunged from our political debate. Well, and you, we had we, talked we have about... A, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to mm-hmm. cut you off. And well, recognizing, I think the, the thing, the speech that I give, we've got to all recognize what our superpowers. We've got to find out what our superpowers and exploit that. What do we do better than anyone else? What skill set can we develop? Because we're living in an information society and constant updating of skill sets is an inevitable reality as we leave labor and go into more technology. Technology has now been able to transform people who are born different with prosthetic limbs and artificial hearts and implants. I mean, this is like bionic man and woman or whatever your gender identity is infinitely fractionated out to an individual if you really want to go there. So there's more places in the world, not less places. There were less places 100 years ago. I just want to encourage people. There are more places in the world for people who are different, who don't fit the mold of pretty beautiful model or super privileged STEM graduate, you know, hyper competent male. There's a lot more in the marketplace for people who are different. Well, and you, you had mentioned that, you know, there was this whole big to do about the Dave Chappelle, uh, comedy special. And I, I wanted, I wanted to get your take on that because I got what he was trying to do with that. I I understood where, where he was going with it. And, but there was such an outcry of how dare he, um, and I wanted to hear your, you talk about that because you had a great opinion and um, how you put it was so fantastic. We live in a fence culture right now. And Dave Chappelle is he's a legend. He comes out there and he throws these. Did you see the critics? on The first, first critics who reviewed the Dave Chappelle Netflix show Sticks and Stones gave it a zero. The fans gave it a 99%. That is telling you what political correctness is. Exactly. It's thought police. And we need more. To all comedians, this is a note to all comedians out there. That political correctness is the canary in the coal mine of when the left goes too far. Yep. 
And Dave yeah. Chappelle just broke the glass. I mean, crash! <laughs> oh, you know what happens when people break glass? Eyes open. Mm-hmm. And I want to see more comedians coming out there. And I don't care. It's how people interact. If people are different within a group, if we can laugh at ourselves, if we can truly laugh at ourselves, including if we are the subject matter of the joke. Remember, it's, it's premise and premise has a subject. Set up, right? Mm-hmm. Premise, set, punch. Set, punch, set, punch, set, punch, you know? Well, and it's, right? it's premise, set up, punch, premise, set up, punch. That's all it is. And it's a magic trick. It's entertainment. It helps bring people together. It's not designed to perpetuate negative stereotypes. However, it does point at stereotypes. Right. And, and, and the fact that I'm, I'm laughing at the fact that they uh-huh. were his, his race, you know, he is an African-American male. If he knows about being a minority and being trod upon, even if he is loaded now and has money, he came from, he's, he even jokes about it, you know, and that's why I was like, how can you attack him about this? He's, he, what he's, don't you get what he's doing? Look at the name of the, 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 the special. I don't understand how, you know, we, we've gone so far that it's, it's kind of, We've forgotten the rules and 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 the the teachings of George Carlin. Carlin was a was so yes. good at it. He was so good at call at showing the hypocrisy and showing you know making us laugh at our our goofiness. And uh, that's what yes. Dave Chappelle did there. He did a Carlin. <laughs> he did. Yeah, and I, we need more of that. We need more wordsmiths in the world that go out and hit it and keep doing it and keep hitting it and keep doing it and keep hitting it and keep doing it and keep hitting it. That's what needs to happen in our world. Yeah, and, and he, he laughs at himself, too. I mean, he, you know, but I, I, I think it's affected, um, and I, w- this was one of the questions I was going to have for you, and we've kind of stepped into this, was that yeah. <clears throat> right now, we're in a bizarre mix of openness and diversity, which is great. We love that. We like having the representation. We like seeing this diversity happen. But it seems like but not diversity of but not diversity of thought. Diversity yeah. is a loaded it's, it's a loaded word, but not diversity of thought. We right. could have diversity of everything but what really counts diversity of thought. That's I find that to be a little well problematic coining a phrase from the left they like to use that word problematic here's the problem any any narrative that comes from white male straight hetero is seen or prejudiced as problematic and less valuable mm-hmm. and it just goes down the line each in each in each marginalized group seems to have a turn at that at the pinata at the privileged pinata and uh, I think I'm going to write that down. The I need to write that pinata. down. That's, a That's good great. One. <laughs> That's great. You know, the privileged pinata. It's like, yeah, I'm a victim. <laughs> you victimized me in a previous life and several centuries ago. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it, 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 come on. What does that end? Well, you know, I want to write a victim song. The well, privileged pinata. That's that's a great word. And here's something like because I always I love John Fugel saying and I listen to uh, Sirius XM's uh, his his show on there. And he did a comedy special. He did like it was supposed to be progr- this progr- laughing from the left or something like that. He, he was going to do on, um, on yeah. Broadway. And he's doing it. The, the people that were putting it on told him, yeah, this is great. Let's do this. But you can't have any white males. And that was, that was an actual, he's a white male, first of all. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're saying that you're, you're, you're being racist against it's racism. And it's, it's like, just, there's a couple, there's so many things wrong with that. But it's like, yeah, I know. Going to not allow anybody 
of with a you know a, a white guy who in here because you think that's going to bring in an opinion or something that you don't I don't understand and he fought them on it and got some in but the fact that he had to at all is bullshit yeah but that's going on I and it's like this I I, I just don't even know <laughs> How far have we gone now? Because it's like right now you've got this bizarre mix of openness, diversity, and everything. But everywhere it looks like even on the right and the left, we've taken 20 steps back to try and avoid each other. Well, like it's, 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 it, the us versus them dynamic is the Marxist dynamic. And again, the, the notion of, I call it the die agenda, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Our Trojan horse, they're 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 Trojan horse doctrines. Yeah, they it, it's um, you're cutting your face your nose off to spite your face. Well, here's how it works. Diversity is remove the privileged within the progressive stack. That it's a pre all of them are presuppositions. Diversity remove the privileged within the progressive stack. Inclusion is silence the privileged within the progressive stack. Equity is punish the privileged within the progressive stack. And the, this long, long bloviation and worship of equality needs to be defined further. Mm-hmm. Not, the quality of out, not equality of outcome. That's never going to happen. We are only free if we're unequal. Okay, we are not free if we are equal because you would have to have such an authoritarian state, a bureaucracy to constantly suppress people. And if we look at countries that did that, it's just mass murder. And we should learn these lessons from the 20th century. That's when the left goes too far. And I'm sorry, Dave Chappelle just broke the glass. I'm going to throw in three other people um, that need to be mentioned in this conversation mm-hmm. that did it from an academic level because I, I, I follow academia as well. Um, so I try to get their names as they come to me. One of them is, is Peter Bogosian and James Lindsay and um, oh my God, what is her name? It eludes me all the time. It'll come to me in a second. They're called the Sokol Squared Scandal. And they submitted a bunch of phony papers to the Academy with the presupposition of eliciting its prejudice to go after and problematize white, straight males. They literally put in a paper where they took pages out of Mike Comp, substituted radical feminist doctrines and submitted it and it was published. Oh, wow. As good, yeah. So, again, the, the low-context, low-resolution argument of left-right is very simplistic. Okay, it's progressive, conservative. It's not a left and right thing. It, it, it's very low. It, it's, simpl- it's too simplistic, if you really want to look at it. We're looking at a, a crossroads and this new, or what I call this, subversive Marxism that has been taught to us only creates, it used to be bourgeoisie versus the proletariat, now it's oppressor versus oppressed. It's different dogs, same police, and that's what's polarizing society, and it only has catastrophic results. And comedians are the ones that bring people together, and comedians are the ones that are being sold out down the river, cancel culture, uh, call-out culture, um, what, 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 what are they, what's the other culture? Cancel culture, can, call out culture, get yeah. even culture, yeah. mob yeah. rule. You yeah. know, that's, that's the begin. that's the begin. that's the canary in the coal mine. I mean, it's happened to Sarah Silverman. These things that happen, J- Justin Trudeau today, it's already 10 years ago, is showing brown face. He went to an Indian fair and he dressed up like someone from, 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 Aladdin. from, from India. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So it never ends. And we need to start, we need to tell the social justice, we need to find a way and it, to tell the social ju- justice to go shove it. 
And what I would like to do right now, can you do this with me? Can we tell all the social justice warriors, Whoa! Oh, did you baby? What did you do? You did We need a whole audience to do this. gotten into it with what it is and i i honest to god i i it's so it's prevalent prevalent where where i it's prevalent where i live a lot because there's a lot of uh, eugene yeah it's everywhere here um but there's this need it seems like for these people who have never had to deal with any of these issues, like they have never had to deal, you're, you know, with, with struggling with identity or any of that. There, there's none of that. I've actually had people tell me, I identify as hipster. And I look at them and I'm like, what? Huh? What? Wait, what, you, you identify as hipster. Okay. What does that mean? And then they, they go on to, latch onto these causes and things that to hear their own voice they they've never dealt with this virtue signaling yeah it's it's like they want to hear their own voice they they grasp onto these Mm -hmm. things and it's like what is wrong you you've i get being a supporter of, of people and that's but but they do it to the point where it's like they're nazis with it and it's like even the oh yeah having to deal with it on a daily basis aren't like you you you've you've alienated everybody to sound important and i just don't understand that and that's what i've 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 dealt with that so much here and just online i just see it and it's like really do you do you know what you sound like you you you're that person's never done anything to you just to hate every white male, straight white male, whatever, you know, is if they're over 50 or 60, you know, it's like what's happening with Joe Biden right now. Joe Biden's a decent guy, mm-hmm. but the fact that they are treating him like a pariah because he's an old white guy is, you know, why aren't you piling on Bernie then? Because Bernie's an old white guy. I don't understand why oh, Joe. He doesn't, it, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the right po- I mean, He doesn't have the right politics. Learned people who remain true to time-tested high ideals make the best political leaders. Unfortunately, they're usually unelectable, as they often call for doing what is hard over what is popular. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's sad, and I I feel mm-hmm. for Biden because. Um, you know, he's just being attacked and it's like, what, what, how, what has he done to you that makes you hate him now? Because back it, in the it, day, it's, it's diversity bureaucracy. All it is, all it is, it, it's, it's, it's a woke agenda that will only remember it comes from um, Herbert Marcuse called um, repressive tolerance. It's tolerance for everybody else and intolerance for anything that objects to the communist project. That's what's showing up on the left. That's how, how, that's how the social justice, woke, neo-Marxist agenda works to stifle debate. You know, th- this is what they do. They convince you that most people are unreachable, awful, and not to be associated with. And they, they, they try to cancel. That's, that's part of the cancel culture. Shut down. They don't want debate. They want cancel because they want to silence you. They don't want to. They don't want to hear. Listen to you. They want to silence you. Number two, they remove your sense of proportion and replace it with a steady diet of cynicism. Constant criticism is what that is. That's what critical theory teaches. It just means critic. The criticism can be invalid. It's just constant, never-ending criticism. Number three, reward you consistently for being mean in service to the cause especially in light of number one. You understand what I'm saying so far? Oh, yeah. It's a vicious loop that, that virtue signal, attack, right? Get confirmation from your in-group that you're a good person. Repeat, okay? 
basically academia has repackaged critical thinking into critical theory without telling you why or to inform you that what you are being indoctrinating with is Marxism. It has an asymmetrical warfare signature to it. And that's what you're currently seeing, Rob. That is what's currently happening. It's, it's infected in feminism everywhere, all over feminism. Well, and one thing I was going to bring up that you had mentioned uh-huh. about was, you sure. know, how, how you have to, you know, there's, um, if everybody was equal, what would happen? And one of the most awesome, it, they turned it into a film back in the 90s, and it, um, but there is a story called Harrison Bergeron about a culture mm-hmm. that actually dumbed down its populace so everybody was equal. And And what happened was no one had any kind of real true happiness. There was no art. There was no um, anything that, you know, stood out. And within that culture, there were uh, 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 behind the scenes, there were this, this group that was allowed to t- partake in the art and be a part of, you know, actually have their own thoughts and, and be able to excel. But no one else was. And that, you know, you, you have to have the differences. No one's going to be completely equal. It just isn't happen that you know in that in that regard, and and that's the horror story that comes from trying to dumb down a culture and not allowing people to like create like the comedians and 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 make you think. And uh, yeah, boy, this went dark. This went deep. <laughs> I wasn't expecting. Well, it's why you called me. We could keep it on the surface, you know. We we we. we. <laughs> We could talk about my army of Oompa Loompa Sands, the orange skin and green knickers who all want to treat me like a chihuahua humping a great dame. Wow. <laughs> but no, I, 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 like, I like this kind of talk because it's, it's, you know, it, you, don't, you don't actually hear it a lot anymore unless you're sure. listening to maybe Joe Rogan. Um, and, and, and that's, he's another one that, uh, I, I really respect because he speaks his mind and, yeah. and that's, you know, it's, I, I was not shocked. I, I wasn't really not, I, when I watched the Chappelle show special and when I, I listened to him and I was laughing and then I stopped myself, I'm like, Oh, he's gonna be in such deep shit. Um, and, and and but then I'm like, you know what? He knew that going in, and he didn't care. Um, and that's why he did it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I I've seen other uh, websites and other um, uh, vloggers on YouTube talking about. Look here, here's another evidence where you've got the the media is is uh showing you know here's all the fa- like you said the fans gave it like a hundred percent like 99 percent on rotten tomatoes and, the, and that's, that's basically a hundred percent and you, you, yeah. you're, you're hearing it it's it's the it's the agenda driven propagandist yeah writers or critics because everything he said was politically incorrect well and they didn't i guess people's they, criticism uh, shouldn't be based on how politically correct someone's comedy is yeah, they, was it funny? Did it do its job? Yes, they, it did. It's, it's, we're talking about it, and the the other bit is, you're are they too afraid to piss off readers by saying this was great? You should. Is that it? I mean, you know, that's the thing that I'm looking at here. Is are you too afraid to yeah. debate? You know, you don't want to stir the boat or tip the boat over. Um, you know, because but I I love the fact it's Chappelle. All the alphabet people are made by straight people and they need to recognize that. It's like leftist desire for equality of outcome is like a war against nature. In Japan, they have something called the fertility festival, which is equivalent to our straight pride. They take no bones about it. They carve a big old gigantic penis out of a tree and they go, ah, and they celebrate. <laughs> big erect penises. And the women do the same thing. They have a smaller penis. Go, they have a great time. Lots of sex later on. Fireworks, psychodrums. It's a big party. But that's not, that's frowned upon here. You know, gay pride is celebrating not breeding. 
Yeah, I I think I well the straight pride the straight pride parade here that was just not yeah that was that was not like that it, it we know what that was but it's it's one of those things it's like I I, I wish that I I just I find it hilarious that it's Chappelle that did it because he you know it, it, he's he's a minority and I'm like how are you going to Keep that balance, bad mouthing him, and still keep your political correctness. And I, I well, I, yeah, they can't. Yeah, they're, I, they're, I, they're, I, lo- I, they're losing I, on that. I want to see him sweating about that because they have to be sweating about it. And uh, I, I'm just, I miss the days where you had Carlin and you had like you had crazy Sam Kennison and you had these guys that made you think they didn't care they were fearless richard pryor you know eddie murphy <clears throat> and these guys are like today they're like oh we couldn't get away with that today you know what you know what you couldn't get away with today which is one of the greatest comedies of all time is blazing saddles no one would oh touch yeah it. that would never happen today no, no one, one would, would touch, touch that film. no no and it is one of there the are so many th- it, it, go, go go back 10 years and watch some of the good films they couldn't make them today Mm-mm. No, I just did a review about uh, John Carpenter's Vampires, and that movie was so on PC. It had a uh, the 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 main guy is played by James Woods. He is completely an antihero. There is no he he is not a nice man at all. And there's all this stuff that has to go on with about the church in it. Uh, you have a priest shooting a cardinal in it. Um, you would never get that made today. And even in the in the making of the, the interviews on the DVD, they're even saying, I'd never get this movie made today. It wouldn't it wouldn't happen. Well, this is this is the result of critical theory. It's being criticized as against the die agenda. That, that's the point of teaching people critical theory is to make them into the kinds of complainers that might spark a revolution by making people dissatisfied and disgusted with the current system. Mm-hmm. And Dave Chappelle just blew the lid on that. I mean, it's a revolution from both the top and bottom. And what it does is it squeezes the average American middle class person. That's the end game. I mean, the main candidates, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, are all, and all the Democrat POTUS candidates are all on board with this agenda. And anyone who isn't gets pushed out. Yeah, like Biden, or you know, he he, you you're trying to find that middle of the road. He's one of the guys. He's like, old white male. He's old, but but you got Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is full on communist. Yeah, and you then you have um, you have Obama wouldn't even fit into this now. We've gone so extreme, and I'm not like saying you know, ooh, Republicans are all the way, blah blah blah. No, I'm like you we've we've gotten so extreme that there's no there's no like well, what, moderate. What, about, what, what about the abuse of the, the, the word their tactics they use the word racist mm-hmm. does racist mean racial prejudice anymore or is it a bigoted dehumanizing thought stopping cliche it's it's it's, it's just an ad hoc, a, it, it, it's Oh, go ahead. That's what it is. That's what it means. That's what it means in most contexts. If you listen to it, it's an ad hominem. It was invented by Leon Trotsky in the 1930s in, in his book. It was coined by Leon Trotsky, I think, in 1927, but he published it in his book, 1930, The History of the Russian Revolution. They used this word racist to silence a group of people, and then they proceeded to kill 66 million, million, million um, Russians. Keep in mind, it's a bitter, resentful us versus them doctrine. Yeah, it's. And it's... they used crude name calling in place of a rational argument. And the thing I like about comedy, comedy isn't necessarily rational. What it does is it points to the ugly truth. In the, in, in the king's court, there was always a jester, and jester was the only one that could tell the truth. One per the fool could sit there and point to what is obvious and true that no one's looking at, the 800-pound gorilla in the room that nobody wants to talk about, that has to be talked about. That's what comedians are. Our job is to take open the big box of rocks, spill it out, and make a mess, and make people laugh at that mess. 
Yep. That's, that's what brings people together. And that's, that, that's against the woke agenda. And that has to be only, oh, I'm sorry. Woke comedy is the most boring, dry ick I've ever seen. <laughs> but sorry. And, and it's, it's not realistic. You know, it's not, no. there's, you know, it calls out uh, what Chappelle yeah. did and what, uh, what guys like him do. Um, uh-huh. And the, the best comedian and, and Mel Brooks, Mel, God, I love Mel Brooks. I love Mel Brooks and I love Takika Watiti because they use the absurd and they mirror, they show the mirror, they shove it in our face. You know, Takika uh-huh. Watiti's got a new movie out where the little boy, it's called Jojo Rabbit. And it, the little boy's best imaginary friend is Hitler. And it's this absurd lunacy. And it's like, it's like, oh, the only guy that could have gotten away with that before was Mel Brooks. And now you've got this guy who's become the beloved of, of Hollywood because his work in Thor and he, he's, he's, um, you know, it just, he's, he's a great, great creator and comedian. And it's like, he's just holding this absurdist ideal up to everybody. And, and Brooks did that so brilliantly with racism and, in blazing saddles. He, he, you know, space balls. It's just, it just, he, and it uses the, the com- comedy to just show us what idiots we are. And it's, it's fantastic. And and uh, you wouldn't be able to do. It. I'm amazed that he got away with it. I'm amazed that he got that movie made, <laughs> and he's and he's getting away with it, and it's great. But mm-hmm. oh my god! Well, Erica, I I mean we've gone way over your time, and I I this has been fantastic. I want you back um, for another okay. discussion. This has just been so much fun. Um, I want to give you, um, after now everybody's like shocked and horrified by us, um, I, I want to give you an opportunity to pimp whatever you've got going on. I, I was going to ask you about a movie I saw that you play um, an actual monster in, which is great, called Dead Squad Temple of the Undead. Can you? Oh my uh, God, you watch that? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> found the trailer and I'm like oh this looks amazing <laughs> but I wanted to give you an opportunity make sure make sure make, make sure when you watch that or chimera strain make sure when you watch dead squad as you put your brain you, you turn your brain off <laughs> it looks so now for chimera strain you got to turn your brain on gotcha but uh, where okay, can we two very, very different movies. <laughs> where can we find you? What's what's upcoming for you? Uh, I'm at Twitter at AmazonEve.com. That's where I post my stuff. Um, you got my website. It's AmazonEve.com. That's where to find me. That's where I usually am. But um, I tend to follow the Heterodox Academy. Anything the edgy comedians like Dave Chappelle, anybody who, who, who sits there and slaps the face of PC culture, yes. More of that. Let's hear more of that from, from your audience. I want to hear more. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being on. And uh, everybody, check out Erica's stuff, AmazonEve.com. Check out Dead Squad Temple of the Undead, because I'm going to, because it, it just looks insane. And she plays a zombie queen in it, which I got to see. That sounds so good. Yeah, there, there, there's something in there that I will I will never live down. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Well, everybody, like, okay. If we're, we're... <laughs> now I really want to see it. I have fun in it. You, you, there's a scene in it that's just pure. It's very different. It's different than any zombie genre you've ever seen. Oh Let's put god. it that way. I, I, I have to see it. I, I have to see this now. Well, Erica, thank you so much, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fangirl Radio, and um, we will be back next week, and I will see you then. Thank you for listening. Good night, everybody.